friends. Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week my guest is Morgan May. She's an ex-feminist, ex-vegan, and ex-pharma patient. Her life took a 180-degree turn after coming off of medication she had been prescribed for over a decade and undergoing a massive awakening about her authentic self and the world around her. Her story takes you on a journey from narcissistic childhood abuse to thriving today as a sovereign being with a mind of her own. She's a rising star on TikTok, creating content that challenges the status quo and inspiring you to question everything. Everybody, please welcome Morgan. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much, Paola. Oh my gosh. It's so good to see you. So I have met her through TikTok. And so I was like, I need you to tell everybody your story. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah. So just the at the lowest I'd ever been in my mental health, living in New York, this is like 2016. I was trying everything to feel better. I had been on meds for like over a decade. I was in therapy, but I was just so unbelievably depressed. And mm. I just knew I had to do something. And I, I'd been trying all of these different things and nothing was working. And I just knew that I, I had to change. So it was at that point, I decided to withdraw from all these medications. And I had just a massive awakening. 10 years before that point, I was also very depressed. I've you know struggled for many, many years with, with depression, anxiety. And you know at the time, especially 10 years ago, in I guess 2007, that the only solution to negative mental health that I knew at the time, especially as like, you know, a 17 year old girl was, was pharma was, was seeing a psychiatrist and getting prescribed medication. So, you know, I, I had tried that route initially when I was in boarding school was on that and eventually Mm. got off of it and then was put back on it after, you know, I I had a suicide attempt actually Mm. Uh, while my parents were getting divorced. I was a senior in, in high school. We had moved three times. I, you know, was just under so much stress uh, in yeah. my external life and just totally had like a, a mental break and overdosed, which by the way, came after, you know, like I said, I had been on and off these medications, trying to figure out something that worked that happened like right after I abruptly stopped taking a medication. And years later, I learned that, you know, it's really dangerous when adolescent children stop taking yes. medication, they could have, you know, breaches of, of sanity, really. I mean, I, I felt totally just diso- looking back what I know now, you know, I was totally dissociated, totally mm. like just lost my mind. You know, I like told my mom I was going to take a nap, like didn't even think twice about anything. I just was very almost robotic after that, uh, experience. Thankfully I like woke up, told my mom what happened. We drove to the hospital, the charcoal, the whole thing. I was put in inpatient and it was at that time that I got put on Lamictal again and a few other things, but but that drug was the drug I had stayed on for, for a decade. And that was the the time that I just decided I was like, you know, I internalized everything, internalized all my stress. Like they told mm. me that I was bipolar and that wow. made sense because I was feeling so, you know, up and down emotionally. I mean, not taking into account any of my external reality, like the fact that this is my third high school in three years and my parents were getting divorced and like all these external things in my life. They had diagnosed me with you know, something must be wrong with, with me. And so I was, I was put on that medication for the next 10 years and that was enough for the first year. But by the second year I was in school and school was really rigorous and, you know, I needed something to help me focus. Uh, I was prescribed, I was uh, diagnosed ADHD and given Adderall and then that was okay for a little bit, but then my mood started dropping. So then they added another, thing for the mood. And, you know, this is not uncommon in the world of psychiatry. I talk about this all the time. When you're a teenager, I tell this to everybody who has teenagers, because I have a stepson who's a teenager and I have another stepson who's about to go into his teenagehood. He's 14, but he still acts like a little kid, which I love. I'm like, please stay Mm. as innocent as possible for as long as you can. (laughs) But like, you know, when you're going, especially females, I think, especially because we're going into our hormonal change and we're starting our menstrual cycle and we don't understand, you know, like what's going on with our body. We're first dealing with like 
all of these social pressures to grow big boobs or make sure that you have, like, I remember when I was 15, I was like, so um, devastated that all my friends had pubic hair except for me. Mm. (laughs) And I was like such a late bloomer and everybody had already started their period. And I was like, the pressure was on, you know, because I still didn't have my period. And then to, like you said, have to deal with the outside pressure of your parents are getting a divorce. And that right there, like, My parents didn't get a divorce, but my husband has a previous marriage of 15 years. And when I first met my stepsons, like I just Mm -hmm. didn't understand why my oldest was just like in this dark place, you know? And I remember Mm -hmm. going and talking to one of my friends who had her parents divorced. And she said, Paola, when a child goes through the divorce, it doesn't matter how old they are. If they're there, they can understand what's going on. It has a huge impact. She Mm -hmm. was like, here I am. I'm standing in front of you. I'm 37 years old. And I still remember the day as if it happened the day before when my mom told me they were getting a divorce. And so it has such an impact for yourself because as a kid, you don't understand why they're getting a divorce. You think somehow, some way it happens to be you. It's your fault. So then the child takes on the responsibility of trying to like, figure out their mother and father's emotions at the time. They're trying their hardest Mm -hmm. to like, you know, figure out their body. And then in addition, they're trying to like still be in front of their friends, you know? And so there's all these different things and they're not being treated exactly as an adult, but they're not being treated as a kid anymore. So Mm -hmm. you're in this like kind of like middle area of life. And you're going through all the changes, you know, you're getting hair in places you never thought you were going to get hair in, you're gaining weight, you're getting a period, you're emotional. And then all they do is tell you you're bipolar. You know, I remember being told I was crazy or overly dramatic. And, and then you start, you know, start. Yeah, exactly. So then you start to think, am I crazy? Am I dramatic? All of that. Yeah. You know, dangerous. And then you think, am I the only one, especially because I grew up, you know, I was born in the eighties. So my teenagehood was around, you know, 95. So there Mm -hmm. wasn't any social media. We didn't have cell phones. I totally internalized it. I totally thought, well, maybe it is just me and everyone else is not feeling the way I'm feeling. And, and then when you go and you talk to your parents, they don't have any answers because they themselves are going through, I'm just guessing their own stuff. So the only solution is let me just take her to the doctor. The doctor will know. And the doctor's only trained to give out pills. Oh, it's so true. I mean, yes. And it's also even worse when you're dealing with narcissistic parents who like can't possibly admit that their child is struggling because that's a reflection on them. So like for so long, I was suffering and I would beg my parents to like, send me somewhere like I begged mm. that oh my god I like basically made a powerpoint to like, <laughs> How cute. like be sent to boarding school because I like living in the house with my mom was so horrible yeah and they did eventually and like I I, I sought help that was like the first experience that I had with a psychiatrist because I was like fighting for myself like I, I just my parent my mom my dad like wasn't really emotionally like helping me at all or like you know yeah. it was it was kind of an affront to them but it's very damaging when you're getting like you said before that messaging like you're a drama queen or you're selfish or all this from your parents because I mean there are these like highly symbolic archetypes in your life so it's like just really yeah yeah talking about internalizing messaging like that it could really be intense and especially I mean divorce like you were saying it's very stressful but you know it's even more stressful I think I've I've witnessed couples do it in a way that's like the best possible outcome. Like they have therapists for their kids and they're amicable and whatever. And they're just like trying to keep the stable environment for their kids. I think in my case, it was just so messy. Yeah. Very Well, narcissist is only caring about themselves and they don't give a shit about what's, you know, they don't care about the collateral damage that is happening by their behavior, you know, and and a lot of parents and they're also human too. Like, that's the thing. It's like, we have to give them grace because they obviously didn't have the tools to understand like the psychological impact that they're having on their child, which is why I like, I don't understand why just anybody could have a kid. Like, I think if you, decide you want to have a child you should have to go through psychological yes you know right like you should yeah. you should have to go through classes to be a parent like nobody That's should just minimum. be able to be a parent I had a 51 50 when I was 18 or 19 and I remember being in front of the psychologist and them telling me like, why do you want to kill yourself? And at that time, Mm -hmm. like I didn't, my sister had called the cops on me because I was so mad. We had gotten into this huge fist fight 
And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't want to kill myself. I, but they ask you the same question over and over. I remember like I had not slept, I had not eaten. And they're asking you the same oh, question wow. over and over to the point where it was like, towards the end, you almost want to be like, fine. Yeah. I do want to kill myself. You know what I mean? Like you just want to right. like get out of there, but I knew what they were doing. They were yeah. trying to break me down so that I could confess that that's what I wanted. And I was like, no, that's not, I just stuck to what I knew deep in Good my heart and soul. And then yeah. they finally let me go. But you know, fast forward when I was 26, my dad died and it was, and I had just gotten out of my first uh, toxic narcissistic relationship, uh, wow. both physically and mentally abusive. And I was so severely depressed yeah. and I went to the doctor and I was like, I don't know how to get past this pain. I, I just, I don't even, I lost so much weight. First thing he did was just like, here's, he didn't even let me finish my story. It no. was like, he didn't even care. He was like, Symptoms. here you go. Here's, here's your drugs. Dad. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time, who is a, is a nurse or whatever, and she came over to my house and she took the pills that I had just been prescribed. They were still in the brown bag and she threw them in the trash. And she said, Paola, if you take this, it will change your brain chemistry forever. You'll yeah. become dependent on them. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that she never let me take them. But I have several several friends that have been on medication and depressants, you know, yes, you do have to wean off of them. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh, I'm on depressants, you can't just cold like, oh, I'm not going to no, take it. Do it, not it, recommend that. That will do so much more damage oftentimes. It, exactly. Like, you have to wean that. off of it. But my friend weaned off of hers and she said that the moment she'd stopped, it was like all the lights came back on. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. It's it's this unseen, like in the shadows issue. Like like you, you're saying, I have so many friends too. I, I mean, the amount of friends that I've helped taper off of theirs is, you know, I think today that the stat is one out of every four women today are taking some form of psychotropic. Oh, I'm sure. Which is terrifying because then we have all these problems in society. But what people are not seeing is this behind the scenes, behind the, the medicine cabinet, in the shadows activity, like what's really happening. It's like we're our fundamental chemistry and our bodies and our brains are being altered At, to the point of like Adderall, for example, my empathetic capacity was severely diminished on that drug. And I didn't even notice until I was off of it. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm feeling everything again. This is crazy. Like it's like this slow, slow and silent killer really yeah. that, like no one is normalized yeah and people are taking it like I watched that show Vanderpump Rules and yeah. you know allegedly I'm saying that because I don't ever want anyone to come after me but <laughs> allegedly the whole entire cast was on Adderall you oh, know God, and yeah. it's because they they promote it within the social circles like you take this you could never you never finish getting drunk and at the same time yeah. you lose a lot of weight so win-win right and oh it's God, just like, so and all these people take it. And then especially in college, take Adderall so you could stay up later so that yep. you can, you're basically taking methamphetamines. So oh why don't God. you it's, it's pump them up, meth. right? Yeah. Why don't you just say this. give them meth? Like, I know. And it's but, crazy. But people get mad. Like I let it, Pella, I made a, I made several TikTok videos about this, about how Adderall is chemically identical to methamphetamine and how it's basically synthetic meth. There's just like an added, I think, hydrogen thing that makes it 20 times less strong technically, yeah. but it's the same component. It's the same like chemistry and it works the same in your body. People got pissed. Like my comment section was so divided between people being like, yep, I got a ton of likes, but I had so much pushback being like, it's not meth. This is misinformation. This is dangerous. People need their meds. And like, I'm not saying that ADHD doesn't exist. Like I'm like living proof. It definitely does. But But the thing is, is that we can, and I truly, and I'm strongly believe this, that we can heal ourselves. All of the stuff that is going on with us, like it's Mm -hmm. because we have, we're in a society where we have like, just, we've been inundated with so much data. Like you wake up and you have your phone and it's, that's, what's causing ADHD because we're in front of screen time. There's so much going. Oh my God. No, you're that point that you just (laughs) made. I just, I need to share this because I haven't even spoken about this on my like social media or anything. I lost my phone last week. I left my phone. I've never left my phone in a cab anywhere. I'm like too neurotic. I will. I've like never lost my phone. I left my phone in a cab like last Friday. And so I did, I'm in, in Mexico right now. I like fled the country during lockdown. So I had <laughs> no access to getting a new phone on my plan because there's no like T-Mobile in Mexico. And so I didn't have a phone for a week. 
day three, I was like kind of freaking out day one or two. Day three, Paola, I started feeling the best I've felt in years, like mm. years. I had no social media. I had no text messages. I had like iMessages on my computer, but like I couldn't, when I was walking around, like doing my exercise or whatever, I had no phone and I was yeah. so happy. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to implement this in my life. I'm like, well, focus. I got so much done and I lost a little bit of weight and I like, got into <laughs> business, like stuff that like I wasn't doing before. Cause I'm just distracted on my phone. So yeah, you're so right. <laughs> Did you grow up always having a phone? Like that was part of your, like, how old are you? Yeah. I'm 32 now. So, so you grew up basically always. always had a phone. See, that's the thing. Like, like I remember when they introduced beepers and then I remember when they introduced yeah. the cell phone. So yeah. I remember what it was like to not have a phone, Yeah, you know, to not to like wake up and watch cartoons and go outside and play with my friends. And like, I remember that stuff, you know, well, like I, I had that in childhood. Yeah. But then once high school came, then I, yeah, see, I we, I, we didn't have right cell phones yet. in high school. Like in, wow, I yeah. graduated in 1998. We did not have cell phones. I don't think I had my first cell phone until probably my senior year or maybe further than that, my freshman year or college, because wow. I had beepers, but even when someone would beep you, you still had to like run to the phone to go get, yeah. <laughs> like we didn't have like the, and it's just, it's so different from like having a beeper where someone text messages you versus yeah. like you have an entire computer at your hand. So true. You're just like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. And I have to do this. And someone just binged you. So now you have to look at that. Someone just binged you. I have to check my social media. It's like so much. It's and so I, much. I totally believe that's where it's happening. And, and yeah, you know, you know, don't, I'm not a doctor and maybe this, some people have severe ADHD, but if someone, if we learn how to calm our brain, mm -hmm. just sit in silence and be okay with the silence. Mm-hmm and get ourselves back into alignment, both mind and heart, I think we could really heal ourselves. That's so beautiful. And that's, I think that's so true because also something that I've been doing recently is embodiment practices where I basically like come back into my body, like chill out my nervous system, chill mm -hmm. out, like all of these like synapses firing. I just feel so much better and centered and like focused. I do believe that like ADHD does stem from trauma and like it mm. kind of trauma like reconfigures the brain and various like executive functioning things. But I think that exactly what you're saying, like if you're diminishing the amount of distractions and data and like really coming into your body and into like a heart centered space of living, like that is like a very powerful anecdote I'm learning recently. Yeah. Have you um, um, heard of Joe Dispenza? Love Joe Dispenza. He, his book, How to Rewire Your Brain and Create a New One or something. Yes. It's like an older book of his. That started my whole journey. So once I got off of meds, I, that book came into my reality and I blew, like it blew my mind open and I did like all the meditations and yeah, I think he's a genius. I love him. Yeah. He's a genius. And he's yeah. proven that yes. by meditating, you can literally rewire your brain. And, and heal your body. Didn't he heal, heal his spine? Yes, <laughs> his absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Heal. That's why yeah. I love that you said, and to question everything. Yes. Like, like you should question. We've been so indoctrinated with like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. And we've been following like these like mindless sheep and we're not never questioning. Like we don't yeah. question the doctors. We don't question like, you know, what is really in this drug that we're taking? Like I, for, for so one, I'm always like society humans have lived and sustained life for a long long in the yeah. bible people lived until they're way over a hundred years old yeah. you know and they didn't have the medicines that we have now so it's yeah, like it's so true the earth is healing it's provided so many of our nutrients and it's mm -hmm. like why don't we start learning more about that and what plants have you know natural herbs and I always think about those things, especially now because TikTok's doing a lot of that stuff, which is like, wow. And I'm trying all of it because yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. Like plant medicine. From yes. Like plant medicine, like all that stuff. Like, oh, oh I want to so learn how to do supportive this. supportive of that. Yeah, yeah. So supportive of everything. Like, oh, I want to clean my gut because your gut's your second brain. You know, I'm, I'm constantly like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do juicing. I'm going to, you know, if my stomach hurts, I'm going to do ginger instead of like Tums. You know? Yeah. Like, so, it's so true. I feel like, it, and it's so funny, like in my story, so I got put on all those meds, 
10 years later, I was like questioning everything. I'm just like, I learned that my mom was a narcissist when I was 26. And I was like, well, what are the odds that that impacted my mental health? And it's not that I'm actually bipolar. And, you know, slowly this like matrix started to, you know, break down and what really, really did it. I mean, the, the mom stuff was like this underlying thing, but Mm -hmm. I tried I, like I said, I was trying everything that I could think of. I tried acupuncture. I tried quantum reflex analysis. I tried all of this stuff, breathing exercises, like nothing was working. And then I tried CBD and literally I had been insomniatic for three years and I needed clonopin every single night just to go to sleep. And I needed more and more and more every year. And in three weeks after using CBD to sleep, I was able to sleep on my own completely. And I was like, what the, this like broke my brain. And like yeah. all my anxiety, if I use it during the day, all my anxiety was just like gone. I was like feeling like myself and I didn't even like remember who that girl was. And I was just like, wait a second. I was just taking products that doctors told me I needed to take every single day if I wanted a normal life. And I did that. I took them every single day and I just got worse and worse and worse. And then I take this plant shrouded in so much controversy that's illegal in most mm-hmm. of the US and it healed me. Like yeah. explain that. I was just like, it broke my brain. I was just I like, know. Well, I have been there. Yeah. Well, I've been doing research because I'm like so open to stuff. Like I have suffered from depression and anxiety. I have major panic attacks. I also have had uh, an abusive mother. Yeah. yeah. Childhood was just not my forte. <laughs> it's not my yeah, favorite place, but I have been doing, I've been on my healing journey since I was like 26. Cause my dad died at 26. And that's when I was like, okay, wow. I'm, I've got to do something about my life. Cause I can't yeah. like function. And I've been down this whole entire like journey and I've read so many self-help books. And just recently I've been researching magic mushrooms and microdosing. Yes. And I've been mm-hmm. watching these women on YouTube. Like I've been just researching, like, okay, I want to know who did it and what's going on what's the mm-hmm. practice and and a lot of people are saying even Steve Jobs did magic mushrooms and had it does not surprise me yeah <laughs> he did and that's how he got the idea for Apple wow because yeah. all of a sudden the magic wow. mushrooms like like connect your right and your left yes. brain synapses and it's like again an illegal thing that is looked down upon it's looked at as a drug it's not to ask why though has anybody exactly. ever died of psilocybin mushroom overdose like i don't think so Mm-mm. you know and like likewise with cannabis there's been no cannabis like exclusive deaths ever reported but like there there certainly has been like alcohol poisoning you know, like fentanyl overdoses. Absolutely. It's just, it's insane. Or even let's talk about oxycodone. Oh like, God, it's the system. How many people have died? So they still prescribe it. Yep. They gave that that company, Teva, I think it is, they, they gave them like a, akin to a slap on the wrist of like a $20 million fine. Meanwhile, this company is raking in billions annually. And it's just yeah. like, it's, they just did it all for show. Yeah. I mean, I have my own. Yeah. <laughs> just it's devastating absolutely and I totally agree with you that like at least one out of eight people are either on drugs but I would have to say seven out of eight people suffer from depression anxiety stress or panic I I really believe after I was in this institution this mental health institution now, now I'm like observing it I've just like you I've done so much healing and like thank god that there are tools that we can use mm-hmm. but I really believe because my whole journey in the 10 years that I was in this institution of like mental health and big pharma and psychiatrists and the whole thing, trauma, the word trauma was never uttered once ever. Meanwhile, I had very overt trauma, like, like the divorce and moving, but like my relationship with my mom was never scrutinized. Like it was just this, like, I think trauma in general is this underlying cause of so much that we struggle with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I, Depression and anxiety, these things are symptoms of something deeper. Typically, there's, you know, symptoms of trauma. And, and so I just think it's like, it's very odd that we have this entire institution that speaks nothing of like the one thing that like, I would argue, I think there was a statistic, I, I forgot where I got, you know, what the actual number came from or how they quantified it, but something like 80% of the whole planet has undergone some form of trauma. And I would probably go so far to say it's a hundred. I'm sure, you know, trauma comes in all different shapes and sizes, but like, we don't even have a language for it in the one, you know, authority that is supposed to like help us with this. Like, why is yeah. that? You know, well, it's like, but the more we talk about it and like, 
I mean, plants are incredible for, for healing trauma, all of them that I've tried. And yeah, there's so many different healing modalities. And I, I always tell everybody because I actually just did a series on TikTok. I got so many, I literally couldn't believe how many people wanted to know about it because I'm an emotion code practitioner. You know, somebody was like, but you don't really need, because I said, you can heal yourself with magnets, which I've been using it. They work. And somebody was like, well, you can't, you know, in the comment section, somebody always has a a nice comment to give you. Um, How about you, you know, and I said, in reality, you really only need your thoughts. But the bad thing is, is that trauma has caused you to have negative Mm self-defeating thoughts that like can literally get you to the place of, I want to kill myself, you know? And I know that because I personally have been there several times in my life and you know, you need to go on the journey, whoever's listening, and you are suffering from anxiety, depression, trauma from your past, like go on the healing journey, try everything, Reiki, tuning forks, try grounding, try meditation, because some things work for some people. Like, for example, Reiki didn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. Like everyone like, oh my God, I love Reiki. And like, I I didn't feel a thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, no, it's true. Breathing exercises can work. Yeah. Like breath work. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like, I didn't feel a thing, but for me, like, you know, sound bowls, meditation, all has to do with, you know, just experimenting and asking questions and questioning everything and allowing yourself to be open to the idea that the doctors don't know it all. They don't. And they don't have all the right answers. I I think that message is so important because like, I can't tell you how many times, like even girlfriends that I've helped wean off of things, like there, there is a fear that comes right. When you start deviating from the normal path, it's scary because, you know, you're now going against everything that you've learned. And there's a lot of doubt, like, is this the right thing to do? And you know, what if it doesn't work? What if I do need this stuff? And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling anyone listening what they do and don't need, but mm-hmm. I will offer that like having an open mind and being so freaking like driven and laser focused that something is going to work. Like I tried five things, six things before I found something that really worked for me. CBD was like the first thing that I really used to like help, you know, feel better more immediately and allowed me to explore other things, but like just be, stay open, open-minded and open to the possibility that, yeah, maybe a lot of the things that you've been taught up until now actually aren't correct. Or maybe there's like another side to the story that you haven't explored. And maybe, you know, there's all these different modalities. And just because the first one that you try, that's alternative medicine doesn't work. Doesn't mean that all of, you know, the approaches that are not big pharma products, for example, aren't going to work. Like there's something that you're really going to connect with. You just have to keep searching. And unfortunately, I think it it is the human condition. Like we, we respond really well to pain. Like I I could tell you the times in my life that I've changed the most dramatically. I've been in like an unsurmountable amount of pain and suffering and I've wanted Mm. that to end. So that was my impetus for seeking so hard just because like I couldn't get worse. So I had to get better. So if it's at that point, that's fine. I feel like part of the experience, but you can also solve for that. And just there are alternatives out there yeah. that could also be better because I feel, for example, with the plant medicine that you're talking about and you know these other modalities that I've incorporated, I don't sacrifice parts of myself mm. in those approaches. And I feel like with, with medicine, with Adderall and Lamictal and all this, the stuff that they put me on, I really did. I was like a shell of myself. I was a virtually completely different person, a very inauthentic version of myself. Yeah. And that's the trade-off that, that, that they don't tell you about, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you don't know really what you're trading off unless you've got that context, unless you try other things to, yeah. you know, compare. And everybody wants the quick fix. Honestly, yeah. everybody thinks like, oh, let's just take the pill and then the pain will go away. Yeah. But you still haven't really fixed all the underlying issues. Like when she was talking earlier about trauma, like some people are like, oh, I had a great childhood and oh, I don't have any trauma, but maybe you experienced something. And when you were a child and you're not aware of it because you, you, you buried it so deep, you know, or what if like something happened and you witnessed something, maybe something Mm -hmm. at school and that like you buried it, you know, your body is telling you things. The reason why you have anxiety is not because, oh, that's just what everybody feels. No, it's Mm -hmm. because you're, you're completely out of alignment and people who are out of alignment, they reach for alcohol. They reach for drugs. They they have a Mm -hmm. shopping addiction. They have a food addiction. 
they're exercising too much. They're just thinking, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Everyone feels this way. No, not everyone feels this way. And it's not normal for us to feel that anxiety, that stress, that panic. It's not a normal feeling. And having the pill, like, yeah, it's a quick fix, but you're not fixing the underlying issues. Well, it's a cope. This is what I say. I'm like, you're just coping. You're learning how to live with these symptoms. Why wouldn't you want to just mitigate the symptoms? Like it's a very inefficient strategy in my opinion. It's like, yeah, you're just putting a bandaid over it. It's going to get worse because that's what happens. It will get worse and worse and worse. And these issues will take over your life slowly, but surely that's absolutely what happened to me. By the time like I was in, you know, the the scene that I set in the in the beginning of, of this call when I was like this is the worst I've ever been. I had boxes and boxes piled up in my house from online shopping orders and I was isolating mm. and it was just like it was I got to the which I always kind of had, but you know, it's just it creeps up. It gets worse and worse and worse. The anxiety yeah. started getting more and more pre- pervasive. And, and then your body starts to show signs, right? Your body Literally. starts to show signs. I can't even say that. Your body, yeah. your body starts to show signs. Like for me, I had a crazy, my eye would twitch. And I remember yeah. I went and I was like telling the doctor, I'm like, what's going on? Why can't my eyes stop twitching? Because I had so much crazy anxiety. I had wow. heart palpitations. I had skin rashes. Oh God, um, yeah. You know, now that I'm an emotion code practitioner, people tell me like my lower back hurts, my hip hurts. You know, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't exercise. Yeah, it's called stress. It's called anxiety. Your body keeps score. There's a book out there. Yes. Read it. There's also a really good book called All is Well with Louise Hay and a doctor. I forgot her name, but they mm-hmm. talk about how like, you know, even though they can give you the pill, if you're not healing your past and all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the trauma, all of the betrayal that's ever happened, because everyone has gone through something in their life, mm-hmm. whether it was a divorce, or you know, your parents got a divorce, or you got a divorce, or your child mm-hmm. is sick with an autoimmune disease, like everything that happens to us, we hold on. Like, I know someone who had a car accident. And just like what happened to her in the car accident, her body was hurting, but she didn't understand why even after all the chiropractic appointments and all of the uh, stuff, she still paid because she had kept that trauma of yeah. the accident in her body. So, wow. so all of these things are interconnected. Our brain is a supercomputer and our subconscious yes. keeps everything in our, in our, and it holds it in our body. So why not learn more about your brain, more about how your body works? and how you can actually heal yourself. Like go down the journey. It's so worth the investment. I promise. (laughs) Oh my God. As grueling as it was, because it is, it's like, it can get messy, right? When you're transitioning and you're like dredging up all these emotions and doing your Mm -hmm. shadow work and releasing and forgiving all that. It is like dark and fucking painful. And there's a lot of anger that comes up and sadness. And I've cried and I hate feeling things sometimes, but you have to just do it. But I will tell you, and I'm I'm sure, you know, you're you're a living testament to this too. And it's your brand and your work. But like, I feel free now. I am so free. And I have like, let go of all that shit and of the story that I was telling myself and the Mm. victim shit and like all of that. Like, I just truly feel like unchained. And like, if I have a reaction, if I'm anxious about something, I'm like way more in control of it. Or like, it's not, it's no longer in control of me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I have like true sovereignty and power in and of my own, of my, my, myself. It is scary. I, I've met with people there that are like, oh, but I have a job and I have to do all this stuff. So like it's too much right now and this and that. It's like your life though. It's yeah. like, this is like, our lives are not meant to be spent like coping with bullshit symptoms. Like Absolutely. our life isn't meant to be spent like taking a little pill every day to change our entire experience on this planet. Like it is a miracle that we're even, you know, embodied in these vessels. Like the intention for this whole thing was not to just cope and like be productive. That's what I really felt like when I really started to change and question things. I had been in therapy for so long and like, I would just go, it was like talk therapy, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. it's just symptom management. And like, you would go and I would talk about, you know, my symptoms. And I'm just like, this is so not it. I just was feeling yeah. like I was plateauing. And like, <laughs> it was a good, right? It was like a good, it was like a win that I was being productive and I was going to work every day. And like, that was like the win. And I was like, this is not what my life is about. Like, yeah. it's not just about like doing the things and going through the motions. And like, if anyone's listening and you're feeling that, you're just like on autopilot or going through the motions or there's unfulfillment that's mm-hmm. underneath the surface. Like, I just beg you, like ask you to 
go there and question it because like through meeting yourself at that place, like that's when you really start living and start connecting to your truth. And it could get ugly and that could be scary, but you have to just do it fearlessly yes. and you will come out whole and integrated and powerful and happy. And maybe it's yes. the case that you go there and you have to change your whole life in 180 degrees and move to Italy and open a gelato shop. I don't know, <laughs> but like, you're going to be way yeah. happier. Eat, pray, love, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Like I tell everybody, like, your healing journey isn't going to be simple. It's not, I, if you're looking for the simple solution, then, then yeah, go to the doctor, get the pill. But mm-hmm. you know, if you really want healing, because mm-hmm. the pill is like she said earlier, it's just a band aid. But if yeah. you really, really want healing, it is going to take some time. It's like you're unraveling everything that's ever happened to you. And it's not mm-hmm. like I could sit here and say it was my mom. No, there was more than just my mom. There were so many players yeah. in my life because I started with my mom and I learned yeah. that kind of toxic behavior was acceptable. I accepted mm-hmm. that toxic behavior from multiple people in my yeah. life, friends and bosses and boyfriends and all kinds of people. It takes a long time. And I had a lot of dark nights of the soul where she said earlier, you're crying and you're angry and you're, you know, you're so mad at yourself because you allowed that behavior and you're learning, but you're forgiving yourself and giving yourself grace and giving those people that played a part in that, give them grace. Because Mm -hmm. I always tell everybody like, you know, they don't have the tools to know what they were doing. So you have to give them grace. Because I always think back, like my mom was doing elementary math and I was doing statistics. Like Mm. we were both on two different emotional levels. There was no way that I can have these crazy expectations for somebody who absolutely had no clue how to get there. And so so you have to give them grace. You have to give them love. And and when you give them grace, because I truly believe whatever you put out, you get back. You Mm. get love and grace back. This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? Then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. And And once you you start to heal yourself, especially with the mom wounds, like with the mom stuff. And as a woman, it's just like, oh my God, mother wounds are like to the bone. And if you let them fester there, like my journey with my mom, like I, I haven't spoken to her in seven years. We're estranged. I went no Mm. contact and I, I've gone through so many phases with her. And like, I thought I forgave her, but it was more on an intellectual level, less of an emotional body level. Right. Ayahuasca ceremony. Where Ooh, I I've been just, wanting to like, do that. <laughs> yeah, it was so transformational because, like you're saying, like for the first time, felt so much love for her, mm-hmm. and just like, of course, I forgave her. Like it was just like, like I didn't even question it. It was like the story wasn't even relevant. I see her, like I love, love her. And once you like, once you're able to do that, especially with someone like as important as as your mom or someone as close to you like that like you you become unblocked like I literally have felt since that time like my heart has just been open and I'm more loving in general and like and and you do it you do it for yourself you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily do it for them you do it for you but like it's it's like a health thing like I had all these health things I was trying to figure out and after that ceremony like and I just was integrating integrating like oh my gosh everything is like locking into place you know and and it's, it's transformational, but like that yeah. love component is like, you're saying, I, I feel like a lot of uh, people are very resistant to yes. love for people who have like hurt them. deeply. Yeah. It's hard because yeah. it, you know, we're, we've been hurt and it's an emotional thing and you don't want to give grace or forgiveness. Yeah. And trust me, I was estranged from my mom for at least seven or 10 years. I, she wow. would not talk to me. It was actually more her, but me, every time I'd walk into a room, like for Christmas, she'd walk right out. If it was Christmas, Thanksgiving, she'd walk the other way, like as if I had like a disease and she was going to catch it. And we didn't talk for years, but I've, I've been looking into ayahuasca too. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that. Girl, come Um, to Mexico. I know. I've been thinking of, I'm thinking I'm going to do it, but I was going to go back to a thing that you said, the forgiveness is not for them. So like, if you're listening to this and you have trauma with your mom or with your father or with anybody, stepmom, stepfather, foster mom, foster dad, it's not for you to be like, okay, I forgive you. And then you go and you tell this person like, I forgive you. They don't give a shit. (laughs) Like, this is just like, listen to me. Okay. Cause I did that. 
I thought I had forgiven my mom. Like when my dad passed away, I was such in an emotional, traumatic state because it was unexpected. And I had tried to tell my mom that I forgive her. But my mom was like, forgive me for what? Because in her mind, she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, I love that you said you're estranged from your mom because and you've given her forgiveness. Giving someone forgiveness doesn't mean you allow them back into your life. Oh, no. Absolutely not. So if you're listening to this, Forgiving your person that hurt you doesn't mean you go and you call them and say, hey, I forgive you (laughs) because trust me, you're not going to get the response you expect. It's not going to be all like a movie and oh, I'm so sorry. And a hug. That's not going to happen. So just trust that like the forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. So you could let go and you could move forward and you can find that healing within your body and in your heart and your soul. So um, don't do what I did (laughs) and go tell my mom and I forgive her because she didn't give a shit. She was like, what? For what? And that was even more painful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, I think that Testament is such an important story because like so often I hear like, oh, I just wish, I just wish they would apologize. Like, I just wish that they would like recognize what I just want them to understand what they did. And, and the truth is, especially with people who, you know, abuse other people or who are very toxic or whatever, like more often than not, we'll never understand. And if they do claim that they will, it's usually inauthentic mm-hmm. and for an ulterior motive. Like you need to just separate them and anything from them or any validation from them or anything. Like it's just all you, all emanating from you. And like nothing can basically depend on them or their reaction or whether or not they get it. Like it's not because it's not about them. It's about yeah. you and it's about healing you and like exactly yourself whole. It's like yeah. asking them, like again, going back, saying they're doing you know, elementary math and you're doing statistics. So you're yeah. over here with this huge statistical problem on the board and you're like, can you understand this? When they've just learned how to add and subtract, they yeah. cannot understand what they've done Great to you. Analogy. You know, yeah. they cannot understand the pain they've caused you. They don't get it. And most people who are narcissistic or sociopaths, they don't have that element of empathy or compassion. No. It's yeah. why people are in jail and have killed several multiple people and raped children because they don't have that element of compassion or empathy. Yeah. So as hard as you want them to understand what they did to you, like my mom, she couldn't, she cannot fathom that. And so yeah. for a long time, I was bitter party of one and eight, and all it did was cause me to have anger and bitterness yes. and hatred. And that didn't help. It's like what they say, you know, you're, you're drinking the poison and expecting them to die. Yeah. Um, ooh, ooh, that's, I like that. That's very true. <laughs> because right? I don't think about it like poison, like that bitterness is poison, but that it embitters our heart. Yeah. <laughs> it embitters us, you know, and it's so true. We don't think about it because we think that they deserve it or you're because you are valid. Everyone's valid in their feelings, but it's like, but why, why would you want to continue carrying that? Why would you yeah. want to? It's like, yes, go through that emotional experience, but like you have to do what you can to like clean up the stuff. I mean, I, I always say, which I'm sure you do too, like we're not responsible for everything for our abuse, but we are responsible for healing it. Yeah, you know, so absolutely if we approach bitterness or anger or whatever from that perspective, then it's just, it's like this radical self-responsibility. You know, it's like everything in my life, like, yes, my mom, you know, did not treat me right, whatever, but it's like, I am now going to choose how I want to be feeling. And if I want to be feeling amazing, what am I going to do to do that? I'm going to forget, i love her. I'm going to work on myself because I deserve to feel Good. And it's like an old story, right? Yeah. Forgiveness does not involve reaching back out and developing a relationship. No, you sometimes just cannot. I've accepted it tragically. I would never Mm -hmm. wish on anyone, but I just cannot have a relationship with my mom. You can't have a relationship with someone that is trying actively to hurt you. That's just not self-care. So I've had to accept that. And like, because she's no longer in my life, I have the choice to like, let go of that story because it's like, I don't have that source of toxicity and hate and, you know, thing carrying me down. So if anyone's listening, they don't have contact with their parent or they're struggling with it. Like the the minute that you like kind of let go of that source of like toxicity or or hate or, you know, whatever it is, just ugly energy, jealousy, like all of it, it no longer affects you. And you know what, if you choose to let it continue to affect you, then they still have control over you. You know, it's like you're, you're still the, they have that power. 
over you? Why would you want anyone to have such a power over you to like keep you small, to keep you dating the wrong people, to keep you from mm-hmm. love? Like, no, I will do anything that I can. I will travel to the middle of the jungle and puke in a bucket <laughs> for eight hours. Um, if, you know, oh my gosh. I let anyone. That's like, hilarious. It's funny because like I lost my job in 2008 and my brother was like, just move back home. I said, I'd rather be a prostitute on the street than go move back with my mom. <laughs> but anyways, um, oh, what I was going to, what I I was going to say too, is that like, if you're, if you're listening to this and like we said, if you are planning on going on your spiritual journey, not talking to those toxic people is the best thing to do is because, you know, like I said, I tried that and please learn from my mistakes. Like, you know, here I am. I'm like, I'm going to therapy. I'm like, what? Everybody's laughing at me. Like, why? There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. Like, everything's fine. Like, you know, everybody got hit. Everybody was abused. Everybody, you know, and it's just like, you know, you're weak. You're dramatic. Why are you so dramatic? You know, so don't tell anyone you're going on your healing journey. Maybe somebody that you trust and know is going to give you a lovable supporting structure, but don't tell these narcissistic toxic people in your life that created the hurt and the pain in the first place don't tell them and maybe just you know distance yourself from them I my therapist used to say because I would try to have a relationship with my mom and she would say why do you go put your hand back on the hot stove why Mm -hmm. and that's every time I would do that it was like I would leave and my mom would have said or done something to me that would cripple me emotionally for months. I mean, now I'm a lot better because I'm in a different part of my healing journey. Like I said, I started when I was 26. I'm 41 now. So mm-hmm. now I can spend time with my mom. I give myself yeah. a, a 30 minute window. <laughs> because <laughs> After 30 minutes, my mom is awful. And she eventually starts criticizing me. And I'm like 30 minutes, that's it. I put a timer on my clock and then <sighs> I, you know, and I'm like 30 minutes. And then I give her an excuse that I have to leave. I tell her I love her. Because in those 30 minutes, she is nice to me. And she does Mm -hmm. tell me that she loves me. And then after that, she goes back to her old ways. So I'm like, okay, I can't do more than 30 minutes. So, and then I leave. But you can eventually have a relationship, but you create the boundaries. And you set the tone. And it's on your schedule, not theirs. And if they can't do 30 minutes, then do 10 minutes. And if they can't do 10 minutes, then maybe those people, just because they hold the title, mother, Mm. father, doesn't mean that they're allowed to control your environment. Oh, Absolutely so not. I actually love that. I Yeah, it's, it's really inspiring because I, I haven't spoken to my mom in seven years, but she reached out for my birthday in June and I had previously had her blocked, but I think I did something with my archive and, and it came through mm. and I just like looked at it and, and I just sent her a text back quickly. I was like, thanks. Like, thank you. Love you, mom or something. Or like, th- th- thanks, mom. Love you. And like she reached out again, but it was the first contact that I had made in seven years. And I actually felt good about it. You know, it didn't, it didn't come from like a guilt thing or like, I just wanted her to know that I loved her. Obviously I am in a much different emotional state today than I was seven years ago. Like seven years ago, she could say anything or like very particular things. Even, even if I would try to prepare myself, which I often did before meeting with her, she would figure out what it was that would just break me. Like you said, and I would just be catatonic in bed and just a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms. But yeah, I feel like I'm at the point now where like, you know, I feel pretty good. I just, I still don't know. It's like, why yeah. why would you invite that toxicity? It's like, it's not even like, I mean, there's so many components to them. Like you're saying, yeah. like, you love 20, well, Like minutes, I said, I it's on her, your but... terms, on yeah. your terms. So yeah. like there was a time where my mom invited me over and I had the craziest anxiety. Like I couldn't sleep. I could not yeah. even think about going over there. So yeah. if my body, your body is like your gut, especially is your second yeah. brain. So if your body is having these like crazy emotional, like feelings, anxiety, stress, like don't go. Yeah. 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 No is a complete sentence. Yes. <laughs> so you could just say, no, I can't make it. And that's fine. You set the boundaries, you know, and that's feels something that I've learned. Though. Yeah. It feels, scary. it feels scary. <laughs> Boundary setting. Oh my God. I've like shaken before when I've had to like lay down some boundaries, not just with my mom, but in general, it's like, oh my God. You're yeah, not because doing it. Exactly. Cause we've been, especially as females conditioned to say yes and not to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're conditioned to be nice. We have to be nice, but you know, yeah. sometimes you have to just say, no, I'm sorry. You no way farther with being a bitch. Honestly, <laughs> the way, the more that I like lean into that part of myself, I'm like, oh, now I'm getting everything I want. I yeah. But works. it's funny. Cause I told my husband, I'm like, I don't care if they think I'm a bitch. Like I'm yeah, going to yeah. say no, like, I'm sorry. If I don't feel then the intention of what I'm doing doesn't come from a pure heart. 
you oh, know, absolutely. It's inauthentic. Codependency is like, it's just as bad as narcissism. I think exactly. you do things with like the expectation, expectation that later on you're going to get something in return. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Yeah. I think especially women of narcissistic moms struggle with the nice girl stuff. Like, you know, cause it's not just the societal stuff. It's like, we kind of had to be these perfect daughters and, you know, fall in a certain line and meet our parents' needs, you know, and if we did, if we did all that, then we earned love. Right. Yeah. So I, I find that that theme is really prevalent, but, and so breaking, it feels like a betrayal to, to your parent, you know, coming into like what you actually want and not just what your parent wants. It's like really, really big, but you yeah. have to just do it. And I think doing it slowly and like, I think that that's how, so I spent, after I got off of meds, I spent basically the past four years, like coming into my authentic self. And it's just this like slow, like in hindsight, it feels like a slow inching towards just like honoring what I wanted <laughs> and like listening to my body. Like you, like you're saying, you know, and like following my heart and my gut and, and just like doing things that felt good. And then you receive positive validation because good things end up happening in your life that you like. And so, yeah. like, you know, well, you're vibrating at a higher frequency than when you are depressed and full of anger and anxiety and bitterness. Like when you totally. are actually feeling in a state of gratitude and love and joy, you're vibrating at a higher frequency. So you bring in all that you want in life. Yes. Yep. And then that's, that's what I coach my women. And they're so like, Every time I, I, they come to me after the second or third week and they're practicing the tools that I give them, they're like, oh my gosh, and then this happened and you wouldn't yeah. believe and, and then this happened. And I'm like, yeah, because now Magic. you're vibrating at a higher frequency. You've called to the universe and you've asked for what you want, Yeah, you know, and everything is starting to align because you are in alignment. So, wow. and, and if we all learn how to do this, imagine the world we would live in. Oh my God. Everybody <laughs> vibrating at that frequency. Yeah. <laughs> right. As we wrap up this episode, Morgan, what would you say is your nugget of wisdom for anyone who is listening today? For anyone who is listening, I would just say to truly never settle. If you are not feeling good, if you are having, you know, conflicted relationships, if you don't like where your life is, if you're not making the money that you want, if you're not dating the people that you want, if you're not looking the way that you want, don't settle. Don't settle ever. Don't settle. Don't settle for a treatment that's going to compromise you. Don't settle for a living situation that's going to bring you chaos. Don't settle. Like just say no, like want better for yourself and pursue it knowing that that is your birthright. Mm. <laughs> it is your birthright to have everything that you want in this life and to feel amazing and to feel good and happy and fulfilled and whole and integrated like that is the truth and so if you're getting messaging that oh you know you know it's just it's a good paycheck it's a stable thing or like oh that's the easiest way or you need to get very clear on really what you want and how you want to be feeling and don't settle for anything that isn't that because it's totally possible oh I love that and I love that you said it's your birthright it is so if you're listening to this you are entitled to everything your heart desires. Uh, so Morgan, how can my audience find you? You could find me on TikTok at the Morgan May or at Instagram on the same handle. Also on my website, themorganmay.com. Oh, and I have a podcast. Yes. Morgan May I <laughs> is my podcast. Uh, it's on Apple and Spotify. You can go to morganmay.com where there's a link to it from my site. Oh, it's also on YouTube. Ooh, if you like perfect. To watch it. Yes. So. All right, guys, make sure you follow her. She's amazing. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com, on Facebook, The Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.